Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. All righty. Gather in your conversations. Feel free to continue those after the service this morning. Go grab a coffee in the coffee shop, grab some food and enjoy time together. I want to extend the welcome that Tim has already given to you. It's great to see you here. On It is an exciting day for us as a church community. How exciting to see a new church down in the Redlands, a worshipping community of people gathered together uh, to... Uh, be an influence in that space, in that part of southeast Queensland. And we believe that God has called us to plant more churches so that more people will hear the life-changing, life-transforming message of Jesus Christ. And it's exciting just to see some of those images down there. Keep praying, as Tim said. God has called us uh, to continue by faith, to go out in faith, uh, to uh, preach the gospel and uh, plant churches. And uh, we are starting a new series. It's exciting for us here at Gateway Mackenzie. We are starting a new series today called Legends of the Faith. And uh, we are going to be uh, reading particularly from one uh, chapter in one book of the Bible, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, which has a list of a whole bunch of legends of faith. But really, they're just ordinary people who have given their lives to God, taken some steps of faith, and seen God do some extraordinary things through them. And uh, so it's going to be an exciting series uh, for us. Let me encourage you, we have our series booklet, which you can grab uh, at the end of the service down the front here. Come and grab that or at the welcome desk on your way out. These are really helpful resources for you. Uh, They kind of give you a summary of each of the subjects that we'll be going through, each of the topics, each of the people, each of the legends. And it also provides questions for life groups uh, or for personal study and notes as well. So if you're a paper person, bring it along on Sundays and write down notes. You're going to be writing a whole bunch of notes today. This is a whole bunch of gold that you're just going to write down today. And um, maybe joking a little bit. Uh, but grab that, and, uh, and if you're a digital person, then uh, you can jump online, go to the website, and uh, download this as well and use that as a resource. So make sure that you do that. Hey, we all take steps of faith. Every one of us, we take steps of faith. Every day, small steps of faith. I'm sure you, like me, uh, start the day by waking up. That's generally how we start the day. Um, Some of us need a a little bit more of an electric shock than others to get up. Uh, But generally, we'd wake up and we'll make our way to the kitchen and we'll pull out a cereal or a toast, make ourselves a coffee or a tea, and then we'll go and we'll sit down. And in doing so, we are placing our faith in the chair. Now, we don't think about, oh my goodness, I, 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 I must think about you know, the materials that the chair is made of, uh, who made it, who engineered and designed it. No, we just, we take a step of faith and we sit in the chair believing that the materials like this still here, and the person who designed it were able enough uh, to give us and give us confidence that it will hold our weight, you know. And most of the time, it does. You're all sitting there, 
very comfortable at the moment. Faith in the chair that you're sitting in is not going to collapse. And my prayer is it won't today. Maybe if you're like me then, you've, you've got to get on with your day and you need to get to work or school or university or the shops or wherever you're going. You jump in your car and uh, you drive off and you come to an intersection and it, the, the, the light is red. You need to stop and you apply your foot to the brake and you place faith in both the components of the car and the person who built the car uh, and a hope and pray sometimes that it will stop, depending on how late you are in braking. But we place our faith in those components of mechanic who built it so that we don't go through that intersection and do great damage to our car and to ourselves or to anybody else. We then walk into a building, our office, a school, shops, uh, and we look around and we, we have faith. We don't really think about it these days, but, but the walls are strong enough to hold up the roof. And you need to know that you're safe in this place, that the roof won't collapse. I remember as a kid that our neighbor, he, would, he refused to come to church with us because he would say that if he came to church, the roof would fall in. I mean, it never made sense to me as a kid. So why do you think that? That's not true. And, and maybe that's what you used to think as well. The walls are safe here in this place. We're all good. Small steps of faith. And then maybe you'll sit down at your computer or grab your digital device and you'll open up Facebook or another social media app and you'll read through the, the, the news feed. You might make some comments and you do it in great confidence that the people who own that social media app will not abuse your information or use it inappropriately in any way. You know, we live every day with trust we place our trust and our faith in people and systems every day. Small steps of faith. We also make, every now and again, some large, big, bold steps of faith. Nine years ago, I made a courageous, bold step of faith. I remember sitting down and turning and asking Megan's mum whether I could marry Megan. Now, that was, I was more scared of Megan's mum than I was of Megan, to be honest. You know, Megan was, uh, Megan's mum was visiting from the US. We were living in London at the time, and she was only here for, there for a short period of time. And it was my only moment to ask. And, uh, and she said yes. I'm not sure if she meant it, to be honest. But she said, sure, that'd be fine. That'd be fine. <laughs> so two weeks later, I made another bold step of faith. Actually, it was a bold kneel of faith. I, uh, I got some, organized some breakfast on a boardwalk, boardwalk on the Thames before work and uh, took Megan down. We had some breakfast and then took her out to the edge of the boardwalk where I got on one knee and said, Megan, would you do me the honor of marrying me? And, um, and then it went very silent for a very long time. In fact, I'm not even sure if Megan said yes. I kind of just assumed the silent was yes. And so I just celebrated my act of courageous faith uh, by assuming it was a yes. Yeah, we make some big, bold steps of faith. We also make one big, ultimate step of faith. You know, for many of us, for many of us in this room, we've made that step of faith. We believe that 
Jesus is God, that he came, he lived, he died, and he rose again. He has forgiven us of our sins. We find our hope and our security in him, and one day we will be with him for eternity. A whole bunch of us will, would say that. If you ask what your faith is, you go, yeah, that's my faith. I am a Christian. Some of you may not be that clear. Some of you here may be going, yeah, I kind of believe in something. There's a God out there or many gods. I'm not sure I'm figuring that out. I'm on a journey. That's great. Great to have you here. And other, others of you might say, you know, I, I don't have any faith at all. Or I don't believe in anything at all. And I would say, actually, I think you do. I think we all have a belief structure. We all place our faith in something or someone that gives us a great sense of ultimate hope, ultimate purpose. And if you want to know what that is, you've got some questions, then look at some of the decisions you make in your life. Some of the main decisions, major decisions like who you're going to marry, where you're going to invest your life with work, what your purpose is, how, are you going to, how you raise your children, what you believe is right and wrong, what your moral framework is. When you're asked those questions and you respond to them, you make your decision, it points to ultimately what you see is of highest value. Does that make sense? You can do that inventory. Go and ask yourself, and it's helpful for anybody to ask, do my decisions actually point to what I believe? Because ultimately you'll act out what you truly believe. You'll make your key decisions based on what you truly believe. Faith, then, is really important. Faith is really important. And as we jump into this series that we're going to track over the coming few weeks, Today is really important as we look at the foundations of faith. You know, we're going to hear a whole bunch of great stories, some heart stories over the coming weeks, some great stories of people who have taken bold steps of faith. But today we're going to look at some of the foundations, get into a bit of the nitty-gritty of what faith looks like because as we get the foundations right and as we get the foundations, when we get the foundations right, then we are free to step out with confidence Knowing that our faith is not blind, it is not irrelevant. And so we're going to open up to Hebrews chapter 11 and read the first six verses. So will you do that with me today? If you've got your Bible with you, do grab it or your digital device. Or we're going to have the words on the screen behind me. Just the first six verses of Hebrews chapter 11. Let's read together. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For, bef for before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We see here that the writer of the Hebrews articulates and defines faith. Now, just as a bit of a side note, we don't know who the author to the Hebrews are. 
Otherwise, I'd be giving you a name. It's not given to us here. And some people suggest that it might be the Apostle Paul. Some people suggest it might be Apollos. Some say it might be Barnabas or Clement of Rome. A whole bunch of names are suggested. But in, in truth, we actually don't know who the author is of Hebrews. But what we do know is that the story of Israel is really important to this person as they write to the Hebrews, articulating what, the, what faith is in the light of who Jesus is. And the first verse that we read is a definition of faith, a generic definition of faith. And the writer says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Two really quick points here. Firstly, faith is about confidence. There is confidence in faith. And we are going to explore that today. But secondly, it is something that we do not see. There is something about faith which is unseen. And I think there's a danger here when we read this as the accusation is by those who ridicule faith. They say that faith is just blind. It's just blind. But as we explore the passage today, as we we wrestle with it, we, we can see, no, actually we can have confidence. God wants us to have confidence. God wants us to know the hope that we have. And that faith actually isn't blind. Faith is not anti-rational. Faith is not anti-science. And faith is not dangerous. We hear that sometimes in the commentary, in the culture that we're in, that faith is dangerous. It makes people do dangerous things. It, it, it means that they don't believe in rationality. It's just all this hocus pocus. And today I want us to grasp the fact that our faith is not blind but we can have great confidence. In verse 3, the writer to the Hebrews says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. What is seen? We can actually see. We can actually make some observations of the world around us and we can have confidence. We can have confidence. And it's like this, it's, it's we, we can see or we know what is not there. Or Sorry, let me say this. We know what we can't see because of what we can see. Does that make sense? As we look around us, we see, and it points to something that's not visible. That's what the writer to the Hebrews says. And I think there are four things that we can observe. There are four things that we can look at which give us confidence in our faith. There are four C's because I'm a Baptist pastor. They, they all have to, alliteration is, my, uh, is a real gift. So there's four C's today I want you to walk. They're like the four legs of this stool. Firstly, we can see creation. Secondly, we see God's commands, His Word. Thirdly, we see God's Son, Christ. And fourthly, we see changed lives. And we're going to jump in and explore those this morning. Firstly, We can see creation. The the writer to the Hebrews says, right at the very beginning, verse 3, we observe creation. The universe was formed at God's command. 
Now, when we look up into the sky and we see the stars and we see the planets and, and we look around us and we look, see just the magnificence and the magnitude of creation, it forces us into faith. What do I mean by that? Because when we look up and we see this, we see through telescopes and we see satellites and we observe the, the hugeness of the universe, we are ultimately asked a question. We ask a question of ourselves. How? How is this all here? How can this all be? How could this all exist? And it's a question that scientists are asking and they continue to ask. It's a question that we all have to grapple with. And what I would say is that no matter where you are on the journey, whether you're an atheist and whether you are a pure rationalist or observationalist, or whether you're a person of faith and a Christian here today, it doesn't matter. You still are demanded the question when you look at creation, how? How? How can something come from nothing? How can something come from nothing? And I want to say that science hasn't answered that question yet. And what I also want to say is that faith... And the Christian faith is not anti-science. What I would say is that science and creation point to God. Science can't answer the question of ex nihilo, something out of nothing. And the writer to the Hebrews provides an answer and says, God was at the beginning. You know, as we look around this creation, we see a whole bunch of com complexity. I actually reckon it takes more faith to believe that something came out of nothing than it does to look at this complex universe and say, you know what, I think there's an intelligent designer behind all of this. I think it takes less faith to, faith to believe that. And that's certainly the declaration of the writers in the Bible. We read in Psalm chapter 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. Creation proclaims and speaks of who God is. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 1, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, that which we don't see, which is His eternal power and His divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. When we look at the complexity of creation, it is reasonable to say that there is a creator behind it and intelligence behind it. And so Oxford mathematician John Lennox makes this conclusion. The more we get to know about our universe, the more the hypothesis, hy hy hypothesis that there is a creator gains in credibility as the best explanation of why we are here. We can have confidence in faith because we can look at, we can see creation, the first leg of our stool. The second reason we can have confidence is because we can, well, we see God's command. 
We see God's command. Again, we read that God spoke the universe into being. It was through God's command. And God speaks his promises. God speaks his word. God speaks with power. God's word is not distinct from his action. God's command, God speaks. You know, on the 13th of February 2010, I stood on a stage a little bit like this one and sweating and more emotional than I'd like to admit, I watched my future wife Megan walked down the aisle and she joined me and we stood on stage and we made our declarations to one another, our vows to one another, our promises to one another. And then we went across to a side little table in that ceremony and we signed some bits of paper, the, the marriage registration and certificate as a physical document that we were married. You know, if I ever have any questions about whether I'm married to Megan, I'm not sure why that would be. Maybe, you know, I'd lose my memory or something. I could look back. I could see a document and I could say, we are married because it's documented there. And God, in the same way, gives us his word. So despite and in spite of our feelings, in spite of our doubts, we can look at his word, his promises, and find hope and confidence. Because in here, we do, we find his covenantal words to us. We make the error sometimes of reading God's Bible as if it's a list of do's and don'ts. Often more don'ts than do's, right? It's kind of like people see the Bible as, as just a, this rule book which just means you can't have any fun. That's not true. God's word, the Bible, his spoken word to us as he spoke through the prophets and through the writers is a gift to us because it's a letter of love to us from God. The Bible is not about us, it's about God. And it's about his love for us, his promises to us, how he comes for us, both in Old Testament and New Testament. He makes covenant with us. He says, I love you. If you ever have any doubts about your position before God, how he loves you, how he cares for you, how he created you, how he's for you, then we have a document, we have his word, we have his commands that we can turn to. Romans chapter 10, chapter 10 verse 9 says, Faith comes from hearing and by hearing the word of God. And as I said before, God's word is not distinct from his action. Because at the apex, the, the, the grand narrative of the Bible ultimately is, it's about Jesus. Everything in this book, book points to Jesus. Now if we have confidence, secondly, in his command, thirdly, we have confidence in the event of Jesus coming to earth. God coming down in the person of Jesus Christ, an historic event. You know, on the 13th of February, 2010, we had an event, we had a marriage event, Megan and I, we had a party. And we invited all our friends and family, family from the beautiful parts of Queensland and Southern Florida to wintry London. 
And we took this photo outside St. Paul's where I worked and where we both worshipped. And it was three degrees that day. You might, if you look up, everyone's like cheering and very excited. That's really not what they're thinking and feeling. They're going, we hate you, Andrew and Megan, for having a wedding in three degrees and making us having a photo outside. That's really what they're thinking. But we had a party. We had a party and we had friends and family with us, an historic event in time that we had shared with others. And in the same way we can look back to an historic event where God came to this planet, to this earth, Jesus stepped out of heaven and came to earth and lived a life. No serious historian would ever argue against the historicity of Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, make no doubt about it. There is way too much evidence to disclaim the person of Jesus Christ. But not only did Jesus walk this earth, he also died. You know, we, we just celebrated in the last few weeks Easter and, and we explored the reason why Jesus died. Let me encourage if you weren't here and you want to explore that more, go and listen to some of the messages over our Easter season. But why did Jesus die? Why did God even come? God didn't come to earth just to live a great life, but he actually came to die a great death. I find it really interesting here in this Hebrews narrative that the first story that they point to is the story of Cain and Abel. Now you might know the story of Cain and Abel. They're both invited to bring God a sacrifice and because of Abel's faith, his sacrifice is pleasing to God and Cain's isn't. Cain gets jealous and if you know the story, Cain kills Abel. There's a really interesting side note to this. I think a really interesting revelation that points us to Jesus. And I think that the Hebrews writer does this. We see that Abel dies. He spills his blood because of his faith. It's because of his faith that he dies. And the writer to the Hebrews says that it's because his blood was spilt. It's because of his faith that he is made righteous. You're tracking with me. It's his faith that makes him righteous and his faith is evidenced in his death. How do we exhibit our faith today? Well, the profound death of Jesus Christ makes a way for us so that we don't have to exhibit our faith through death and the spilling of our own blood because Jesus has come and done it for us. Hebrews chapter 12, the next chapter, verses 23 and 24 says this, You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Jesus' blood is more powerful than that of Abel. It's in fact so powerful that it covers all our sin. It, call, it covers all our unrighteousness. It covers all our brokenness. It covers all our rebellion of God so that we don't have to pay the price that we really should pay. 
and receiving that gift of life through the death of Jesus, we are made righteous. We are made whole. We are made right. Can I hear an amen? Is that good news? We don't have to die to be made righteous. And the writer to the Hebrews is saying that there is a great, profound joy in faith. There's a security about the faith that we hold to, which has been secured through Jesus. We can have confidence in Jesus. We can have confidence in his life, and it's his death that gives us confidence to continue to walk in faith. But Jesus is not dead anymore. Jesus is risen again. And Jesus invites us into relationship with him. And this is life-changing. You know, we have confidence through creation. We have confidence by seeing creation, through seeing his command, through seeing Jesus Christ. And finally, we have confidence because we see life change. Because Jesus is not dead anymore. He's risen again. He's defeated sin. He's defeated death. And he has secured for us eternal life. Jesus is no longer in the grave, but he is alive. He is active. And he is here with us this morning. He's changing lives. I know it. You clap because you've got your life changed. Jesus has done something to you. He's changed your life. He's done something profound in you. You see, we're invited into this amazing relationship with him. A relationship which changes everything. You know, I know that I'm married to Megan because I've got a certificate because we had an event. But I also know that I'm married to Megan because my life has changed forever. In a really good way. But we got four beautiful kids, and you know, it, it has changed. I love being married to Megan when we didn't have kids and we could just decide to go to the movies. It's kind of like, come home from work, what do you want to do? I don't know. Well, why, let's just do something. Okay. Now it's like three weeks ahead. What do you want to do on Friday next month? Because we've got to organize the babysitters, and it's good. It's good. No more spontaneity. We're just really tired all the time. Life has changed. But we love it. You know, I point to my family and go, there is something different. I've been invited into a relationship and it has an effect. Four children. A real effect. Unintentional sometimes effect. We are invited into a profound relationship with the king of the universe. And it changes us. It changes us. It invites trust. You see, any relationship can only exist with trust. You know, I, I wouldn't have a relationship with Megan unless there was faith and trust in the process. Anyone who's married will know that. You know that. And in the same way, we're invited to be in a relationship because of what Jesus has done and because he is alive, we get to be in a relationship with him. And he changes us. You know, we're going through this series in Hebrews over the coming weeks and we're going to look back at changed lives. 
We're going to go through a, a great list. Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Joseph, Moses, Gideon, to name a few. People whose lives have been changed because of their faith. And we get to look at their lives and we can, we can observe them and we go, we can see that God is real because he has changed their lives. And maybe you're here today and you aren't a person of faith. But I encourage you to look at the people around you who do have faith and look for the change in their lives. Listen, Christians aren't perfect, I know that. And we have made some terrible errors but the truth is God does change us and we can look around today and we can look at lives and we can look at ourselves for those who are faith and go, there is life change. Over the course of this series, we're going to invite up a, a bunch of legends of faith, people who are just walking by faith with God, who've experienced his goodness and seen some good things happen to them. And this morning, I'd love to invite up Miranda Powell and she's going to share a little bit of her story of faith. Why don't you give Miranda a huge hand as she comes this morning. Welcome, Miranda. Thank you. It's great to have you. Come on in. Come on in so you can be seen on the camera. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Hey, it's great. Thank you so much for being up here. I, I was chatting with Miranda during the week and just heard a little bit of her story, and I thought it'd be great for her to share, uh, just to encourage all of us uh, part of her journey of faith. So tell, tell me a little bit about your early life. Did you grow up in a family of faith? Was faith ever spoken of? And in what terms? Um, well, I grew up in a family that I think I would classify as anti-faith. Um, my father was an atheist who had an interest in Buddhism, and my mother was agnostic, but she was very strongly anti-church and um, had some strong issues with churches. So how did that shape your own world, world view? Um, I think I was disinterested in Christianity. I had no desire for faith. I viewed the church as, and people in the church as, as people who are hypocrites, because that was the worldview that I was brought up with. And tell us, what, how did you then end up being in church? So obviously growing up with a negative view of, of yep. faith. What, what changed? Um, my husband grew up with faith, but when we got married at 22, neither of us had faith. And for a very long time, neither of us had faith. Adam came back into church, into faith, when he was in his late 20s. And I was, um, I think we can say, unimpressed. Um, I had um, a very negative view of church and it took uh, a very long time for me to even go to a social event with his home group and then gradually I went to a, the home group and then I went to church for the first time and then very, very slowly over a very long period of time I came to faith myself and then again for a very long period of time after that I was baptised. So it was really a process of years. Yeah, a long journey. That's really exciting. And then in your early stages of faith as you're kind of growing and learning, God began to speak to you and call you into extra steps of faith. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Um, I think my journey really is a testimony that God can use anyone. Um, we, when I was probably a year after I got baptised, um, I was walking through the doors of church and God just gave me a vision of my husband and I in Cambodia. And I knew that it was completely not me because we'd been to Thailand for 24 hours, um, maybe 10 years before. And I was like, I am never going back to the third world again. I'm just a first world kind of girl. So I knew it wasn't me. 
And what did you go? So yeah, we did. And I remember when we um, came back, and this friend of mine was saying, "God gave you a vision." I've never heard of anyone being given a vision, and I was like, "Oh, I didn't realise it was unusual." And then I realised that. Um, I wasn't, outside of Sunday, I had God in this little Sunday box, and outside of Sunday, I didn't think about God, I didn't read the Word, I really irregularly prayed, and so I kind of didn't really give God much wiggle room for getting a message in, because I really wasn't super connected. So you went? We went. And and just tell us about what that faith step and that faith journey has meant for you. Going to Cambodia was an enormous face step. We did it in six weeks from when we signed up to when we got there. An enormous amount happened there. An enormous amount happened when we came back. And probably it wasn't until I came back from Cambodia that I really sought relationship with God. And I think that's where my life profoundly changed. And um, in seeking God first, in that being a really important part of my life, I'm taking God out of the Sunday box. Um... I don't worry about things very much. I have enormous joy in my life and just ordinary things. I have enormous peace in my life, contentment. You know, God has just given me enormous freedom from things that were real burdens in the past and just enormous healing. And actually, between the 8 and 10 service, I actually got a card from someone in Cambodia and on it it says, ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. And I just think that's what my relationship with God has given me, just enormous joy. Yeah, that's really good. Why don't you give Miranda a huge hand? <laughs> I, I reckon Miranda's just said it. God wants himself to be known to us. He does. He says, seek seek me. I'm giving you. I'm showing you. I want you to place your faith in me. And when you do, there is great joy. There's great life. There's great vitality. There's great adventure. There's great security. And it's a security that's not based on hocus pocus. It's not blind faith. God wants us to know him and he wants to give us and has given us some concrete ways in which we can trust him so that we can sit confidently as we observe creation, as we see at his word, his commands, as we look at the person of Jesus Christ and we see the change in others, we can sit or stand securely. We are secure. Are you secure in your faith this morning? Let me challenge you, if you are a person of faith here, if you would say, yeah, I'm a Christian, how is your journey of faith going? You know, you're walking confidently with God. Are you, are you taking steps of faith every day? Are you secure in your faith? I believe God wants to encourage you this morning. He wants to say to you this morning, your faith is real. Your faith is good, and I want more. We read that it's faith. It's faith that pleases God. And that was a real revelation for me, even just a couple of years ago, where I, you know, because I'm an idiot, I'm going to be honest, I'm really slow and thick, um, where I just, I, I still think that, you know, God will love me because of what I do. And there was this amazing revelation to me that God loves it when I just step out in faith. Have a go. That's what pleases him. Not ticking all the boxes and being holy. It's faith. It's 
faith. How's your faith this morning? Are you living by faith? Are you living securely in His hands? God wants you to walk confidently and securely. We're going to create a moment later on just to pray for anyone who just wants to be encouraged a little bit more in their faith. But before we do that, I'd love to create an opportunity this morning for anybody who's sitting here and maybe you've been coming to church for a long time. Maybe this is your first time and and you're on that journey of faith. Maybe you're right at the very beginning. Maybe you've got deep questions about this whole faith thing. Maybe you've been coming to church for a while and you've been asking questions and you, 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 your spirit's been stirred, but you haven't yet said, you know what, I need Jesus' blood to forgive me of my sins. I need the forgiveness. I want that relationship. This morning, I believe that God is speaking to some of you here and He's inviting you into that wonderful relationship through faith. And today is the day that you need to take that step of faith. And let me tell you, if you take that step of faith, everything will make sense. Because we see more fully when we walk in faith. I'd love to create an opportunity right now for those of you who just want to make that decision of faith. Can I ask us right now, just to bow our heads and close our eyes. And right across this room as we do that, if you are here and you would say that you're not a Christian, but you know that you need God this morning. Or maybe you a long time ago made a step of faith, but you have walked away. You've left your faith and God this morning is calling you back to recommit to again place your faith in the God who loves you and the God who can save you. Just across this room now with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you here this morning, I'm going to ask you just to place your hand high in the sky. It's a statement going, I am placing my faith in Jesus again. That's my desire. Just across this room with every head bowed, just raise your hand where you are. Well, you've walked away from faith and God is calling you back. Thank you, mate. I see that hand at the back there. That's awesome. Thank you. Is there anyone else? God's calling you back or calling you for the first time. Just across this place with every head at bowed, every eye closed. Anybody else? Just stick your hand high in the sky. I believe this is a divine moment. God comes and He invites. Thanks, mate. You can put your hand down now. That's great. Anybody else? Just a few more moments. I'm not going to push this out. Anyone else? Thank you. I see that hand. That's great. Anybody else? God's calling you back. Anyone else? Just finally. That's awesome. Hey, let's just stay in this place of prayer right now. I'd love to lead those who put their hand up. Thank you, Matt. I see your hand down the front. That's great. We're going to pray. I'm going to invite those who've stuck their hand up to pray with me. In fact, I'm going to invite anybody who can pray this prayer of faith, this first prayer of faith. If you can, if you're you're there, you can join with me and just pray above a whisper after me right now. Let's pray, dear Lord Jesus. Come on, let's all pray together. If you're happy, just above a whisper, dear Lord Jesus. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you came for me. I realize I've walked from you. I've rejected you, and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me of my sins? And will you come into my life? I place my faith in you. 
I place my hope in you. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that I can be in relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, awesome. Hey, why don't you give those guys a huge hand this morning. Significant step of faith this morning. Hey, let's stand to our feet right now. Let's stand. Hey, we're going to worship in a moment. But I love as we do sing and as we worship, I believe that God is wanting to encourage a whole bunch of you here this morning. As I was praying this morning, I had a sense that God was wanting to give people a fresh sense of hope. Hope. And maybe you've made some steps of faith. Maybe you've stepped out, maybe in your journey, maybe with your family, maybe with work or whatever it is. And somewhere along the line, you've got discouraged. And you're asking, God, I've stepped out in faith. I've made a a step, but I'm not quite sure what's going on. And I believe that God is wanting to encourage you this morning. Whatever it is, He's wanting to breathe in you a fresh sense of hope. So as we declare that we believe in the God who came for us, the God who created this world, as we worship Him, I invite the prayer team. If the prayer team can come right now. And if that's you, you'd love to receive prayer. Receive that encouragement to be blessed with hope afresh. For whatever reason, just come out from where you are and receive prayer. We'd love to bless you. Come on, let's sing, let's worship as you do that. Step out from where you are. Come and let's worship. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.